Good morning. So good to be here uh, once again. Uh, just want to again say thank you to uh, Tiffany and to Brandy for uh, joining us today. Uh, just so thankful for their presence and their gifts. Um, also, really. Um, just thinking about Kayla today, um, I know that she wants to be here. Uh, she's been doing so much behind the scenes to make sure that um, everything that needs to happen uh, this morning is happening and that we uh, have everything that we have. So uh, again, just want to say, Kayla, I know you're watching, so hey, uh, we miss you here. Uh, and again, I think to all of us who were really looking forward to um, having this outdoor service today, um, and then kind of at the last minute, you know, we made the call to stop. And I know it's uh, hard and it's disappointing, um, you know, whether things have worked out, there's just no way of knowing. And I think uh, for us, we just always err on the side of caution uh, because we want to make sure everybody stays safe, uh, stays healthy. Um, and so it's forcing us to make some tough calls. Um, it's forcing us to do some unconventional things and it's forcing us to do some things at the last minute. Um, and so for those of you who were planning on being with us today, uh, man, we miss you. Um, and we're just looking forward to a time where there's a little bit more clarity about what it means to uh, get together and be together uh, safely. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, read the scripture and then spend some time um, in the Word today. Uh, our text today comes from Luke uh, chapter uh, 19, verses 1 through 10. And the text reads as follows. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Uh, but because he was short, uh, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of the sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me say that again. Verse 10, For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. But I'm going to give uh, my sermon today this title, The Crowd and the Sigmund Tree. The Crowd and the Sigmund Tree. Let's pray. Uh, gracious and holy God, we say thank you for gathering us today. Dear Lord, we say thank you that even though we uh, have uh, barriers in our way, that you continue to provide a uh, way for us to get around them. Dear Lord, and we pray today uh, that your word will open somebody's heart, touch somebody's heart, be uh, the pathway for transformation. Uh, dear Lord, please don't let my imperfection and humanity get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do today through your church. 
Uh, we lift this time to you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The crowd in the sacred tree. So as I, as, as I look at this text, uh, there are so many parallels uh, in connection to the text that we studied last week. Last week we spent some time in Luke chapter 18 and we had a conversation about the rich young ruler. Um, so the first thing that we see about both of these men that were very similar was that both of these men were rich. The next thing that we see um, is that both of these men were seeking Jesus. One sought Jesus for validation. The other one was seeking Jesus, it seems, just to be seen. Uh, one was the cure uh, and who he was. The other seemed to be crumbling under the weight of the community. One we can assume was revered by the community because of his power and his status. The other one was despised by the masses because of his status and because of his position. Both had an encounter with Jesus Christ, but one walked away sad and the other walked away transformed. They both had an encounter with Jesus, but one walked away sad, one walked away transformed. Brothers and sisters, one of the first things I want to pull out is that how are we encountering Jesus? Are our encounters with Jesus transformational? Or are they causing sadness? And I think, brothers and sisters, part of what uh, makes the difference is related to how we respond when we come in contact with Jesus and who he is and what he's calling us to. But there's a couple other things that I want to pull out. If we look at verses 1 to 3 again, it says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. We know that Jericho was a very important city. We know that Jericho was full of wealthy folks. So this was a, a, a buzzing, hopping, wealthy city. It says a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. It's important, brothers and sisters, when we, when we recognize, uh, when, when the scripture tells a person's name and title, uh, oftentimes it is an indication that there is something about who this person was and what they were doing that's important to understand what the text is trying to say. Us understanding that Zacchaeus uh, was a chief tax collector gives us a window into what Zacchaeus' status was in the community. Brothers and sisters, the reality uh, was that Zacchaeus was very wealthy. Uh, but he had gotten his wealth in ill-gotten ways. He had cheated people out of their money, and people disliked it. It goes on to say he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I don't know about you, but at 5'8", I kind of resonate with being this short. Because I was often one of the shortest guys on the baseball team or the football team or when I wrestled. Uh, when I went to college and people kept growing, I often was one of the shortest folks around. And so I know what it means to be short. I know what it means to have trouble sitting over a crowd. Catch me at a sporting event. And if I'm not on the first row, oh my gosh, if there's some tall guy in front of me that I'm doing this to see the game, I'm doing this to see the action. And so the first thing that this has me consider is that there are oftentimes internal barriers that we can't control that keep us from seeing Jesus. Uh, the reality 
for Zacchaeus was one that he was short. And this is a, 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 a literal uh, way to look at it in this particular thing because as he pursued uh, Jesus, the revelation or the understanding that the crowd was present meant that he was going to have a hard time seeing Jesus and figuring out what Jesus was trying to say. And so because of his shortness, he had to find an unconventional way to be able to get a clear path to Jesus. But the other thing that was a, a barrier for him uh, beyond his physical stature was his reputation. His, his, his reputation in the community came with a lot of struggle, came with a lot of heartache, and oftentimes it was because of his reputation that he assumed that he would not be able to navigate the crowd of the people who were following Jesus to really hear from Jesus clearly. I want to lift up to you this morning that Sometimes we allow people's reputations and how we perceive people to be a barrier to Jesus. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the sister, sometimes it's unconscious, but we all have this unconscious bias that tells us what we're supposed to look like when we walk in the church. Have you ever been that person that worried accepted because of what you had on. Hey, when I come to this church, do I need to wear a skirt down to my ankles? Do I have to make sure that my tattoos are covered up? Can I wear earrings? And not only just the physical things, but what about us that carry, what about those of us that carry scars? What, what about those of us who have uh, gone through divorce or those of us who have had um, abortions? What about those of us who are questioning who we are against Jesus really will? Because we come in the door and we can't recite the Ten Commandments. We don't know how to navigate the Bible because we maybe never picked it up. And so we aren't spiritually mature and ready to engage right away as we walk in. There are internal barriers sometimes that make it hard for us to see Jesus because we have a picture in our mind of what Christians are supposed to look like. And when we don't fit that picture, we decide that there is no place for us in the church. Zacchaeus had these internal barriers that the, the text he moved and he struggled with. He, he struggled with his shortness, but he also struggled with the reality that nobody liked him, that people judged him for who he was and for what he did and felt like he didn't have a place. So his only recourse to navigate the crowd was to find this sycamore tree. And thank God for this sycamore tree whose foundation and makeup was strong enough to handle the weight of somebody who was seeking Jesus. I ask myself this question as I read this text at the church. Are we the crowd or are we the sycamore tree? Because in addition uh, to the internal barriers that many of us face that keep us really wholeheartedly fully seeking Jesus Christ, we also have to contend with the ex external barriers that uh, cause problems as well. Well, what do you mean by external barriers? It says, so he ran ahead and climbed the Zippermore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus welcomed him gladly. Ah, but the people, the crowd. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's going to be the guest of sinners. 
But the key is still up and say to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. But I want to stop there. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Brothers and sisters, uh, this word mutter, as it is translated um, in the NIV, um, most scholars uh, say that it's synonymous with the word grumbling that's used in the Old Testament to describe the way the children of Israel responded to their time in the wilderness. And if we if we if we think back to the story of the, the, the children of Israel's Exodus, as they made their way through the wilderness, the Bible tells us that the journey uh, should have taken about three days, but because of their muttering, because of their disobedience, because of their complaining, what took three days, what should have took three days took forty years. This makes me wonder, brothers and sisters, if, 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 if it's our muttering, if it's our fighting, if it's our complaining, if it's our lack of unity of vision that's causing more of a barrier to our missions than it is the world around us. This text suggests uh, this crowd of people who were seemingly followers of Christ were a physical barrier to people coming in contact with Jesus. And so Jesus is reaching out. Jesus is reaching out to a sinner and saying, hey, I must stay at your place tonight. I, let, let me come to your house. Let me spend some time with you. And the barrier is not the, per, the, the, barrier is not the attitude of the person that Jesus is trying to seek. The barrier is the people who claim to follow Jesus. And so we have, we have this sycamore tree that presented opportunity because the crowd who should have been ushering those who were lost to Jesus presented a barrier. So there are always internal barriers to see in Jesus' brothers and sisters, but there are often external barriers. Our, our muttering, our complaining, our understanding of what a Christian is supposed to look like, our understanding of what church is supposed to look like. We have created barriers in our minds, in our hearts, in our decision making that keep those who need to see Jesus most away. As a church, we are reading Simple Church. And we, uh, in chapter 2, we're kind of having this conversation about what uh, church looks like or should look like. And we were going back and forth about, you know, the role of programs in the church and, you know, how important Bible study is and VBS is and all of these different things are in the church. And Arthur is sharing um, his experience with two different churches. And one of the things that he shared was that one of the pastors had a revelation and said, listen, if, if, if I'm at the church uh, uh, seven days a week, running eight to ten programs a week, how do I have time for my neighbor? How do I have time for the lost and those who don't know? But since I believe that in, in our desire to grow our uh, faith and grow in maturity, that we have lost uh, one of the main ingredients that the church is always supposed to have is the ability and the desire to seek the lost. That we should be at all times considering what it means to reach those who are lost and don't know Jesus. But oftentimes we get so lost in ourselves that more than we realize we are putting up barriers. And the beautiful thing about this is what we see is that when people are able to overcome the barriers, when people are able to get past the barriers that sometimes we present, that there is often 
changing interaction that happens. Because that Jesus, uh, as he as he accepted the invitation by Jesus, let Jesus into the most intimate part of his life, his home. And what does it look like for the lost to be able to connect to Jesus and let Jesus into the most intimate, innermost parts of who they are? The the parts of the, the parts of our lives that we try to hide. It didn't say that Jesus had time to go home and get his house up in order to make sure that he cleaned everything up, that he got the toys off the floor. It didn't say that he had time to go and make sure there were no toothpaste things in the sink and clean up the toilet paper in the bathroom. And it didn't say he had time to go and make his house perfect so that Jesus would be comfortable. Jesus just said, hey, I want to spend time with you and that he is said, okay. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is wanting to spend time with us. Jesus wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be in our homes, in our hearts. He doesn't care about the mess. He doesn't care about the junk. We don't need to come in imperfect. We don't need to be polished. We don't need to come with haircuts and freshly shaven. We just need to open our hearts and say, Jesus, you are welcome. The interesting part about this, brothers and sisters, is that he responds the way that Jesus, I believe, wanted the rich young ruler to respond last time. The rich young ruler, when he was faced with the choice to surrender everything that he had and follow Jesus, chose to hold on to his wealth and riches. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And the interesting thing about this was not that Jesus asked him to do this. It wasn't a requirement. And even if he was beholden to Old Testament law, he gave more and did more to make restitution and what was required of him. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about how he responded when he had a clear picture of who Jesus was. And so here this man who was ostracized, who was laid aside, who uh, didn't have friends, who uh, wasn't like, had one encounter with Jesus and it changed his life. And because Jesus changed his life and changed his heart, he was, he, he, he was inspired to make things right with all the people he had wronged. He, 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 he took the, the responsibility for the actions that he had. He, he, he did make the excuses. He said, listen, I've cheated people, but everybody that I've cheated, I'm going to go and make things right. I, I, I'm going to give up half of what I have. Because he responded to Jesus. How, how many people are missing life-changing transformation because we put up so many barriers that it's hard to see Jesus clearly? The last thing is this. In verse 9 and 10 it says, it says Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this too was the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Brothers and sisters, what I realized as we were reading Simple Church, as we were having conversation, we have allowed the word seek, or the term seeker, to uh, to mean something that it may not necessarily have to mean. But if you think about seeker and seeker-friendly churches, um, as, as, as churches whose theology isn't deep, 
that, that, that don't present opportunities for discipleship and growth and maturity in Christ. Uh, we, 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 we think about the term speaker as a way to uplift uh, discipleship over evangelism. We associate speaker with symbol. When in reality, what if it means for us to be speaker friendly that we are simply just a church that doesn't provide barriers that keep people away from Jesus? What, what if it means that and, and in order to be sticker friendly, we have to do uh, the, the, the self-evaluation, the evaluation of who we are to make sure that when people come to this place or that when we encounter people in the street, that we don't have all these barriers and all of these requirements and all of these things and all of these hoops that people need to jump to just in order to seek Jesus Christ. Are, are, are we making a pathway to Jesus simple for the ostracized? Are we making a pathway to Jesus easy for those who just have questions? Is it okay for us to open our doors to people who have questions, who, who don't have it all together, who, who, who may not get it right the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time? What if being secret friendly simply means that we are the single one tree and not the crowd? Church, I, I want us to resemble the sycamore tree. I, I want us to be the church who, who is so secure in its foundation. It's, it, 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 it's, it's trunk um, is it, it, so sturdy that it can support the weight of those who are trying to climb this journey of this thing called life and see a clear picture of Jesus Christ. I, I want us to be so strong that we can handle the questions, we can handle the challenges, we can handle the imperfection, we can handle the fact that people come in and, and, and don't have it together, that people don't often quite look like what our picture of faith is. Can we be a sycamore tree type of church? Because brothers and sisters, we're either one or the other. But as a church, our mission must look like the mission of Jesus Christ, which means that we should be fueled by our desire to seek and save the lost. Because if we seek and we introduce people to Jesus, that process in itself creates disciples that continue to seek and save the lost, that creates more disciples. And so discipleship is at the centerpiece, but first the disciples who are already mature in Christ should be seeking those who are lost. So brothers and sisters, when we think about our relationship to Jesus Christ, and we think about our relationship to the church, are we more fueled by what it is that we think that we want or need? Or are we fueled by the knowledge and the understanding that there is a world out there full of people who are lost, full of the geniuses who have been tossed aside by society, even though they have sinned and fallen short like all of us have, trying their best to get a glimpse of Jesus? Will our church be a sycamore tree that gives people a clear picture of Jesus? Or we continue to mutter like a crowd and grumble? Church, let's be a sycamore tree. If we have to choose between being be a crowd and a sycamore tree, let's always be a tree. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 
We are fueled. We are guided. We are charged in our mission to seek and save. Should not be an if and or but. It should be an either or. Because we can be developed spiritually and I'm not sure be disciple as we are speaking. So Jesus called us to do. His mission was to seek and save the lost. And if the church wants to look most like Jesus Christ, then that should be the way we should be described as a church that is seeking to find and introduce the lost to salvation. Let's pray. Grace of God, we just say thank you for um, being an awesome God who seeks us, who seeks us out in our sin, who seeks us out um, in our weakest moments, in our worst moments, in our worst parts in our worst times, the Lord, you are not caring about our exterior, the Lord, you are compelled to introduce us to your Son, Jesus Christ, so that our eternal hearts can be changed. And so we just say thank you that you saw and can see past all those things. Lord, we are so thankful for you. So be with us that your words touch our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to go, the, the 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 thing that I'm most inspired by, and we can receive this as our, our benediction, um, but I am reminded that even though we make mistakes, even though we uh, are not perfect, we serve a merciful God who, who sits up high and looks down low, um, who is desiring so much for us to be connected and reconnected to him. That there, there is mercy and there is grace um, that is reaching out for us day after day after day. So that we are not lost in our sin or in our shame. That, 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 that heaven's mercy is, is, is very much reaching out and calling out, wanting to grab us and take hold of us and restore us. Lord, we, we open our hearts and our hearts to you and receive your love and your mercy. Lord, transform us as we go into our lives, as we go into our jobs, as we navigate our homes. Lord, transform us. Lord, we know that you are reaching for us. Lord, we are now reaching back. As if he is in the tree, climbing through and over everything. To be and to see a glimpse of you. So as we prepare our hearts for this uh, uh, closing song, we are just reminded of this. May the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the sweet communion of His Holy Spirit rest rule and abide between each of us until we meet again. Amen.